Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today is part two of a really interesting interview I did with Jim Britz, who's building a church by making disciples as he prayer walks neighborhoods. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. One of the things that keeps cropping up is, um, oh, I hear this pastors with using this term Zoom fatigue and uh, people don't want to be online and da-da-da-da-da. And now I'm hearing um, church growth consultants talk about hybrid church, uh, the, about finding balance between the online experience. Uh, to me, it just seems so practical to when we can have face-to-face meetings, especially to turn face-to-face meetings into a meal together and then do yeah. the kinds of things you're doing and then use the online thing as a support. Uh, I was involved with a, a, a micro church that meets on Thursday nights and I was driving 40 minutes each way. So there's 80 minutes out of my Thursday night and we were meeting in a, in a, Korean shopping center where a lot of Korean language is spoken in a food court and it was too public. You know, you you could hardly be intimate because people are overhearing what you're saying and you got to buy food in order to even sit there. And it was just a place that we could all gather because we all live pretty scattered from each other in San Diego County. And then COVID hit and we went online and it's gotten very intimate, very close, very good. And a few weeks ago, I was sitting there thinking, well, we got to start meeting face to face again. And then I, I thought, what a stupid idea, because I'm going to have to spend 80 minutes driving every week. Uh, we're not going to be as able to openly share as we do now because of the, the, the people that are listening in. And so I think when I hear you talking about using Zoom, if I were pastoring a church, I would be running business meetings on Zoom. I'd be running leadership training events on Zoom. It would just, it would, it would help. And this makes it easier. You're asking for more commitment. I think as you ask for more commitment, you remove this, the, the roadblocks. And one of the roadblocks right. is drive time and right. you know, people are busy. And, and if I need to spend a couple of hours uh, in a room in my house talking to you, then that works out really, really well for me. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing a kind of balance that, that sounds really sweet to me in a, in a way, and I, I appreciate it. And I, and I love you kind of being scattered at this point. Uh, if you had a really nice sales presentation, I would be suspicious. <laughs> I really like it. But tell us a little bit, give us some stories. Tell us um, where you started when you found that first person of peace that you weren't even sure existed out there. What was that all about? And then a couple of the failures, and then how where it began to turn the tide and move into something that you know somebody could get their teeth into. Yeah, so uh, um, I remember our first person of peace. I thought God had called us to this one neighborhood um, called Loose Duran. It's Lasting Light, uh, the big park there, and um, and we in the training you walk through that that 
that movements are, are mo people are more likely to be open in pipsy places. This actually comes out of Matthew 25, but the poor, the internationals, the prisoners and the sick. And so finding people in those places. So we went to a place that was, we'd call Pipsy, not, not as wealthy. And um, I remember meeting a woman named Stephanie outside of her apartment. And I just asked him with a couple other guys, hey, uh, we're out here praying for your neighborhood. Is there any way we could pray for you? If you could have one miracle happen in your life, what would it be? Sometimes I'll say, hey, I've got powerful prayers. This is your lucky day. And, um, and Stephanie just turns to me and goes, um, I have a past in addiction. And my husband and I both have spent time in prison. And that did not do well for my five kids, and especially my daughter. Uh, our relationship was incredibly broken. Would you pray for that? And I said, yes. Uh, and I said, hey, before I pray, and this is what we learned in our training is, um, could I share a short story with you? And I shared with her in 45 seconds, uh, part of the um, prodigal son story and asked her, hey, what's that story teach you about Jesus? You know, and then how could you apply that story to your life? And, um, and we had this great discussion. We're actually in disciple mode. One of the things we say is, you disciple to conversion. And so your discipling can start very early on. And, um, and so then prayed for, and at the end, I, so I didn't yet to find a person of peace, but th this is the question that we're, we're, we ask all the time. Hey, Stephanie I've learned a real simple way that you could discover truth and hope about God and move from broken relationships to whole ones where you go through stories like the one I just shared. And then you go through some questions kind of like we just did, and you could do this together with your friends and family. Would you have interest in that? And she looked and said, I would love that. She immediately grabbed her boyfriend and said, hey, Paul, what do you think about this? All right. And so, uh, and so we met a couple of days later and, uh, and went through a whole, it's called a discovery Bible study, DBS, and taught her that and started working through people she could invite. A couple of weeks in, uh, they, we'd gone through a study and they said, hey, we, we both have had a little bit of a faith background, but not much. But we've been living together for a bunch of years and we're not married. We think we know what the answer is. What's the Bible say about that? So we looked at a passage because it's about discovery. And they're like, oh man. And so the next Sunday they came to me or next Saturday when we met, they said, will you marry us? This is the middle of COVID. I'm like, yeah, will you do it soon? All right. So the next Saturday in my backyard with their friends and family, they got married and man, just obedience, right? It's so exciting. So, uh, and still in relationship with them and they're, and I would say that's a great story and a tough story. They're still struggling. They've seen some of their friends come to Christ and, and get this going uh, and they're up and down, but they're, they're persons of peace and, and, um, and we're still in great relationship. I just talked to him yesterday. So um, it's also been really cool finding partners. Um, I was, because of this whole thing, which may be another conversation, but uh, I, I've, my goal would be not to get paid by my church, even though I've been full-time paid pastor for the last 22 years. And, um, and so started a real estate investing company with a friend, just 10 hours a week or less. Like I don't, not looking for a job, looking for a business, but would love for that to replace getting paid as a church, still to be a full-time pastor. That's what God's called me to. Um, so and through that, we get to talk to people. And one of my partners in the business talked to a guy and found out that this guy whose property we're looking to buy was, um, was a former Russian mafia guy that came to Christ and had led 500 Russian mafia people to Christ. Wow. And I immediately was like, oh man, I need to meet with this guy. Who cares about the property? So I called him up and said, hey, I'm the guy kind of behind that guy that sent him out. And, um, and said, I'm a pastor in town. Can we meet? And he said, let's meet today. I said, my day's swamped. I really don't have time today. I, I have one hour open. And he's like, well, I want to meet in person. And I'm like, well, where do you live? You know, it's all North County, San Diego. And uh, he gives me his address. It's five minutes from my front door. Oh, wait. Like, okay. So I go over there and uh, I'm starting to talk to this guy. And he, by the way, was a black belt in Taekwondo, led the whole Taekwondo for, uh, for that area. I mean, so he, he could kill me in a second. And 
Um, he's like, tell me about your church. So I'm telling him a little bit and I'm saying, hey, we're big into multiplication and stuff like that. And he goes, that's the ministry I'm a part of as well. It's called disciple making movements. And I go, I go, DMM. He's like, you know, DMM. I go, yeah, it's like wrecked my life over the last year and a half. And he goes, Jim, uh, I spend nine months of the year in other parts of the country or other parts of the world, training people and planting churches with DMM. He said, we've seen over a thousand churches get planted um, and thousands and thousands of groups. And just last week, God told me I need to not travel for the next six months because I'm doing a work in North County, San Diego, and I will bring you the workers. He said, you're telling me this is what you're, I'm sitting in his living room. This is going on. So he's become a mentor and he's a part of our team uh, of, uh, of doing, I mean, just lots of stories like that. Um, and then just a couple from this, this is this last week, one of them yesterday. Um, I uh, was uh, prayer walking a couple months ago and with a friend and we saw some guys working for the water district in Vista right next to Oceanside. And they were, they were inside. And one of the guys I had trained, he was more brave than me. And he, as they're sitting in their truck said, Hey guys, we're walking along. Can we pray for you? And, um, and immediately the guys go, yes, we would love prayer. And one of the guys shared about his wife was about to leave him. And the other guy shared that his um, daughter had an illness that was pretty serious and he was exhausted. He said, if you guys would pray for us, that'd be incredible. And so we went into a, sharing a story with them and then prayed. And at the end, before we even could ask, would you have interest in discovering truth about God? They said, we've done some Catholic church in the, in the past. And, I, and, uh, and I've gotten more in this 10 minutes sitting in this truck going through this Bible study with you than I ever had going to any other service. Is this something I could do with my family? Could I teach my coworkers how to do this? <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's meet. So we meet a couple of days later and we walk them through and they go, yes, we're in, especially this guy named Oscar. And he starts gathering his coworkers who don't know God. And we teach him how to do this discovery study. He teaches his family as well. And, um, and a couple of weeks later, as I'm discipling him, he comes to Christ through asking questions. And, um, and then a couple of weeks later, he, uh, we do a passage on baptism. He's like, yes, I need to get baptized. And two days after that, he gets COVID. Um, and for three weeks, he doesn't leave his bed. And we barely got to talk during that time. I'm like, oh man, we lost all momentum with this guy that was so on fire. But then we finally meet and he's healthy again. And he's with his daughter and he shares the story. And he's like, I get it. Life is short. God is calling me to do something great. That's why we met. And, um, and actually that the story of the baptism story, we redid it again, you know, that and we looked at uh, Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch. He's like, isn't that me? I was sitting in my truck in like my chariot and you came up alongside the car. And he's like, that's me in the story. He's like, of course I need to get baptized. And his daughter goes, I've been doing the studies with you, dad. I want to get baptized as well. So that's a couple of weeks ago. And so he's like, we're going to invite all our family to this. And then three days later, his, his sister, who he's very close with, someone tries to kill her and uh, stabs her 20 times. And while she's being killed, another guy comes up and sees it and defends her. And that guy gets killed as she gets away. And so he's sharing this with me and he's broken up and he'd not been able to talk to me for two weeks because of all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And his sister is going through surgeries. And he said, Jim is crazy. I mean, as hard as this has been, my whole family is open to God. And because you've taught me how to do this, how to learn from the Bible, my family, all of a sudden, the whole extended family is interested in this. Long story short, he said, there are now seven of us that are ready to get baptized. Wow, and my wow. sister being one of them, and we're trying for way more. And they're all doing discovery studies with us. And, um, and he said, we need to wait a couple more weeks because my sister, because of her surgeries, can't go in water yet. And I have to do this next to her. But he said, uh, 
we can see that God had us meet because he knew the stuff I was going to go through. And then actually his son is the starting quarterback for the local high school. And so I'm taking his whole family through the training with another family on the other side of the country that has a star quarterback as a son. We're starting the, the disciple making training with them this Sunday. So uh, that's just this past week. Of, and that's, that's what you read about, right? And stories going on around the world. Like we're seeing it here. And I'll just share one last one. This is yesterday or Tuesday. I go prayer walking with another guy that I'm discipling that I met in that neighborhood. And, um, and now he's uh, Christian and doing this w- with us. And we meet a guy named AJ who's working for this apartment complex. And AJ shares, hey, you can pray for me. My wife and I are getting divorced. I need prayer for that. And he said, hey, let's meet uh, the next day to learn how to do this discovery study. And then he texts me later in the day and says, I can't do it. I'm sorry. But can we meet next week? I really want to do it. I'm like, okay. And then yesterday, though, I get a text from this lady. And she says, hey, I live in the same apartment complex as AJ. And we were talking. And he shared what you said to him. And I said, I need that in my life. She said, uh, will you teach me how to lead one of these discovery studies? And she said, I, she said, I have tons of friends in my apartment complex that need God as well. If you'll teach, she called me. She said, uh, I will, I'll learn from you. And then we'll start a group in that, uh, in that complex. And that's another complex where we have another person of peace, where the lady actually ran after my friend, Jim, uh, because she said, yesterday I had a dream someone was going to come and tell me about Jesus. And she ran after him because he was telling a story with her daughter. And she said, you got, I mean, so we just had crazy stuff going on all over the place. Last thing is in that neighborhood too. Uh, it's almost like, I don't know, 75% Hispanic. We're in the middle of a training where we've got two people from our team that are Spanish speakers. One of them we met in the neighborhood taking a group of Spanish speakers in that neighborhood. So they're going to take over that neighborhood uh, so that I can move on to the next place. But uh, anyway, so I would just say, Ministry is more fun than it's ever been before in my life. And my church is smaller than it's ever been. But, uh, and not every person of peace turns out that way. We've talked to a lot of people and there's many of them that, uh, that man turned out they weren't, but, uh, but man, that's a couple of, I would say dozens of stories where we're getting blown away and it's ordinary people in our church that are, that are leading us. Have you had people um, sharing what little they've learned of Jesus before they've made any kind of a real commitment to Jesus? Oh, big time. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the questions in it, question six in a DBS is uh, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to obey? And they come up with an, I will statement. I will. And so they're actually obeying scripture long before they become a Christian. And they're learning, wow, when I obey God's word, like life is good. And so we teach them obedience. And what I found also is powerful Instead of, and not, not that there's one way to do it, but when I share the gospel up front, which can be great, but so often they come to Christ so quickly and then the discipleship piece, they're like, well, I'm not really into that. Yeah. Whereas when you mm-hmm. disciple them into conversion and then they come to Christ, they go, well, all I've ever known is discipleship. So they just keep on going into discipleship relationships. We're finding a really high percentage of people, uh, yeah, keep on going in their faith and want to pass it on to others because that's how they got involved in the beginning is someone met them on the street, you know, and said, Hey, will you, you want to learn? So yeah, it's been cool. You know, I, I read a statement there's a guy named Lyle Schaller who wrote a whole bunch of books about church back in the seventies. And he said, church is dynamic. It's always changing. And it's either changing because it's reaching into the, toward the future, or it's changing because it's trying to reach back into the past and won't acknowledge the current 
you know, life has changed, and what we but we want to go back to what worked. And you know, I think we had a wrong scorecard. I think when we were bigger is better. That was that was a, it was a blind alley um, during the 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 ascension of the mega church. Uh, the big C church shrank more rapidly for you know four decades in America. You can you can look at the numbers. It's it's all there. And um, I I think that this the the concept of discipling people into Christ rather than you know this come to the show mentality hear the gospel mentality. Cause I mean, back even in the, in, in, even in the revival in the Jesus movement, we would always say things like, um, he, he's their, he's their savior, not their Lord. In other words, they got the fire insurance, yep. but they're not into obeying Jesus. And, uh, I, and, and, and I, I have some really strong negative judgmental opinions about the way we did church for the last you know, not the way I did church, but the way that church did church for the last few decades. I, I really frown on a lot of that kind of stuff. But I think that we're coming to an understanding that we're living in a post-Christian environment. And to whatever degree that come and see and, you know, come and, 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 and enjoy the party and, you know, pray the little prayer might have worked. The world has changed. And we're coming into a world where that is not going to work in the future. And, it, and we're going to have to actually pray for labor for the harvest and, and, and then go into the harvest field and look for persons of peace and raise them up as labor for the harvest. It, it just feels to me that um, we're doing church in a post-Christian culture. And we got we to gotta first admit that that's where we're at right now. And it, it seems like you crossed that threshold a lot longer ago than some people have. And there are people who are listening to this who have yet to admit that the world turned. And I think COVID accelerated that change, but it also um, I've, it, it, it covered it up in a way because we can go, well, things are different now because of COVID. I think things are different now because there's a, sh- a shift in the culture it's been going on and we're going to have to return to what we, what we read in the scripture. Cause that's what works around the world. So it's worked for, you know, two millennia. Um, speak to me about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll share two thoughts on it. That are some that they contradict, but they don't. Uh, and the first one would be, I think the mission is way too great uh, that for us to uh, not all be on the same team. So I, uh, Man, any church that is, you know, trying to reach people for Jesus and make disciples, man, obviously we're on the same team. We're partnering together. Uh, a good friend of mine is playing the church and it looks much more like traditional type church. And they're actually getting a building. We as a church just gave them a bunch of money. I mean, just because we go, we want to, we're in this together. Let's be part of it. So, um, so you'll never hear me. I, I, mean, I agree with a lot of the philosophical things you just said, but I go, Hey, uh, man, I'm on, I'm on board with, with anyone trying to do something. And if it works, let's roll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so with that said, though, also, and we found it some studies in our area that around 65% of people said that they were not going to go to church no matter what, that every survey showed that. Um, it didn't matter, you know, if there was a rock and band or if it was great for their kids or there was a series that seemed interesting to them. It's kind of like, um, it doesn't matter what a local mosque does. 
I'm just not going to go. I'm just not interested in that. Right. So it's like, if you're not looking for a car, you ignore the car ads yeah. if there were newspapers yeah. still. Um, and, uh, and so, so if that's the case, that means then 99% of the churches are all going after the same in our area, 35% of people yeah. who, and not that 35% go to church, only about 8% do, but, but 35% are at least open to it. So who's going to go after the people that aren't going to come? Who's going to go after the people that no one else is looking for? And that's really become our thing is we've really part of our transition is we, we've really told people, stop inviting people to church. Instead, you need to learn how to take church to people. And we found the very people that are not interested in, uh, in ever coming to church for whatever reason. And a lot of times it's because they had a bad experience in their past, or they just have some preconceived notions that maybe could be accurate. Uh, they are extremely interested in spiritual things and they're extremely interested and spiritual things for their kids. They feel some level of responsibility to be a spiritual leader for their kids. And so we go, can we teach you a way that you could do this in your own living room? And through the process, they, uh, you know, they discover God themselves. Um, there's a couple stats that, that hit us were huge. One of them from a book called Great Evangelical Recession that walks through, yeah, some, some tough stats in the last couple of decades for the church in North America. But one of them was that the, uh, um, if you look at all the money that's given towards churches and ministries in North America, and you divide that by the number of baptisms that happen in a, in a year, that uh, it, it costs $1.55 million per baptism. And that just made me sick. I thought, oh my goodness, uh, that, something, something's broken there. Yeah. Um, yet where yeah. there's these movements, and there's like 1,400 of these going on around the world right now, and two years ago, there were 600. I mean, it's, it's more than double. This is the most exciting time to be a Christian on the planet Earth with these movements right now, uh, it's 66 cents per baptism that, uh, it's, it's, you know, and there are different places. Maybe money's not quite the same and equal, but, but obviously radically different. Um, and so, and then, and then second piece for me was just, was challenged to go, how many stories do I really have of disciples that make disciples? And if I was honest, I, I don't have many. We had a lot of disciples, but not many of ours second generation, um, and that was convicting and going, if, if that's the scorecard, how many are we disciple makers are we making? Uh, we're missing it. And so now we're changing it and it's, and it's a lot slower, but man, you get it. One of the things they say in DMM is, you know, go slow to go fast, that uh, go slow in making disciple makers, and then you'll see it take off. So it's a, it's a hockey stick. It, it, it starts real slow and then and begins to really accelerate. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it, it, it's going to really, really work. So um, if somebody is sitting here and I mean, you just mentioned a book, The Great Evangelical Recession. Uh, give us two or three other books that that someone who's interested in what you're saying should look for on Amazon. Yeah, uh, I would read Contagious Disciple Making by David Watson. Uh, I would read um, Spent Matches by Roy Moran. Mm-hmm. And I would read from Mega Church to Multiplication by Chris Galanos. Okay. Those are three that are uh, give good insight in what this looks like, I would say, in our context. And I could give you another 30 of things going on in other parts of the world, but those would be great ones to start. And then I also would say, uh, go through this disciple-making movement training. And, um, and it's easy to go through. And we actually teach it at least once a week. It's a six-week training for us. We teach it on Zoom. So we have people from all over the country that are part of it. And um, I'm a part of a tribe of maybe 40 or 50 people actually get together every week of guys that are trying to live this out all over the country. 
And so, uh, um, yeah, there's definitely help with, uh, with others that are doing it. So if, and, and you can say no to this, um, but if somebody wanted to make contact with you and learn more, uh, is there a, a way that they could do that? Absolutely. I would love that. That's my favorite conversation of the world. Yeah. Um, and I love hearing people's stories and yeah. Anyways, my email is Jim at parkside church.cc crazy cool CC. All right. And I just want to say thanks for taking time to do this. Hey, thanks Ralph. No, this is an honor to uh, love uh, your ministry and, and glad that we're new friends. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.